Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Genesis chapter 12. Start in verse 5. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman, beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say that you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. And this is the word of the Lord. You can grab a seat. In 2011, Jenny and I received a phone call, and the phone call told us that a baby boy had been born, and we were actually chosen uh, to be the adoptive parents. It was one of the most exciting days in our lives, and we took off, and we drove, and it was just a day later where we met our baby boy. This is Brody, and it was Brody that made me something that I always dreamed about being my whole life. He made me a dad. But I got to share with you and just be transparent. For me, in that time of my life, there was actually some underlying self-righteousness. And if you were here last week, this will make sense to you. I was really in the heart of my Theo bro days. Like I knew I knew how church should go. I knew how Christians should live. I was doing it pretty awesome. Like, I'm actually doing this thing right. Like, I had read James. I knew what true religion was. And it wasn't long within that adoption process that things got scary. Things got serious. Things got urgent. Things got out of control. And when that happened... Mr. Good Christian, good faithful guy actually went dark, and I went unfaithful, and I actually became untrusting. See, this was my default mode during a crisis. So, good morning, Hill City. My name is Brad. It's an honor to be one of the pastors of this church that opens open God's word, and, and, and we're going to dig in today. I do want to say this. Hey, 
that 30 minutes kind of made a difference. What's going on? Welcome to the 9 o'clock. Like a little different than 8.30, but you did it. I think, I, think, I think it looks good. We have a lot more people in here, so hopefully that translates to the uh, 11 o'clock gathering. Now, by way of review, let me jump in because last week we, we, we jumped back into Genesis after taking some time off during Advent. And if you remember, I framed Genesis up where if just to give you some framework to give your, get your hands around Genesis chapters 1 through 11, which we went through in the fall. You can kind of break down into these four parts, creation, fall, flood, babel. That's what we got through in the fall semester, and that's how you can break down those four or, or those 11 chapters. Now, 12 through 50, the rest of Genesis, it can also be broken up into four parts, and we actually use four people, and it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. That just helps you get your hands around Genesis. And this semester, we are going to be looking at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And last week, we were introduced to Abram, also Abraham. I will, I will just say Abram and Abraham, and it's going to be whenever I just, I don't even know what I'm saying when I, okay, we're not going to make a bigger deal. They're the same guy. They're the same guy, so don't trip over that. Last week we saw that God called Abram, and that Abram was not looking for God. Abram was not faithful to God. Abram was actually powerless within himself to have any kind of a future. Abram was actually an idolater, and then God stepped in. And out of the sea of humanity, God goes, Abram, I will choose him. And he didn't choose Abram because Abram deserved it. He didn't choose Abram because Abram earned it. He chose Abram because he is good. God is good, not because Abram is good. And we learned last week, if you're following Jesus, the same thing happened to you. You've been chosen, and it wasn't because you were good. It was because God is good. We saw last week that Abram was faithful. God calls him. Verse 4 of chapter 12 says, So Abram went as the Lord told him. We saw faithful Abram. And then you actually go to the New Testament and you can read about this guy. He's a pillar of the faith, Abraham. And in Hebrews chapter 11 are these pillars of the faith. And here's what it says in verse 8 about Abraham. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8. By faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with, with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Faithful Abraham. And then our text where we pick up today, he says yes, and then it, and it kind of tells us where Abram is going to travel. He took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother, and they took all their possessions, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. They passed through the land, verse 6 says, of Shechem to the Okamora. At that time, the Canaanites were in land. So they go where God had shown them. You can see his travels. Remember, last he started in, in Ur, where they were, they were worshiping uh, all kinds of other gods, and the moon god being one of them. They go up to Haran. They take that worship with them. God calls them. Now, all, he comes down. This is the promised land, the land of Canaan. And this is where we find him Today, and it's here where God spoke to him. It's in verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to, to your offspring I will give this land. So he's in Canaan. He says, hey, look around. This is it. This is going to be yours. I will give this land. And in light of that, what does Abraham do? What does Abram do? Verse 8 tells us. 
He built an altar. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and he called upon the name of the Lord. Now, here's what I need you to do. This place where he built this altar, where he has Bethel and he has I, and and he's right there. You need to take that place. You need to put it in your back pocket. This place will never stop being important as you read your Bible. Okay? But even today, take that location and what he did, put it in your back pocket. God called him. Abram obeyed. Like this is a hero of the faith, Abraham. Let's go. This is our guy. Right? And all the church kids in the room started singing, Father Abraham had many sons. How many sons had Father Abraham? Okay, some of you are like, I wasn't raised in church, I don't even know what you're doing. Twelve of us know, and we all just had PTSD from, from vacation Bible school, okay? This is our guy. He's crushing it. And if we stop here, Abraham seems plastic. Our little figurine Abraham that we set up on our shelf and say, faithful Abraham. Here's the problem. Abraham isn't plastic. He's a real person, just like you and just like me. So let me just ask a question. Have you you ever been unfaithful? Any seasons of sinfulness in your life? Let me ask you this way. Any seasons in your life where it has seemed like you were far from the Lord? Because guys, listen to me. This book that we study, that we believe has no errors, that we believe is breathed out by the Holy Spirit of God, this is the most honest book you will ever have in your hands. Abram had some great moments. Abraham is a man of faith, but he also has some boneheaded moments of unfaithfulness. Can I just welcome you to the Christian life? This book is honest. Abram was faithful, but our second point of the day, our first point, Abram was faithful. We saw it last week, and then our second one today is that Abram was also unfaithful. See, verse 10 says, now there was a famine in the land. Don't miss it. This is a crisis. Things have now gotten scary. Things have gotten serious. Things have become urgent, even devastating. Things are now out of his control. And what is it that Abram does? Well, now there is a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt. This pillar of faith, Father Abraham, he went down to Egypt. Now, why did he go down to Egypt? And and listen, to the ordinary mind and to those who know geography, this seems very reasonable. There's a pretty significant river that runs through there. It's called the Nile. There's water, there's food, there's life. It seems reasonable, but we have to keep our original audience in mind. Remember, Moses wrote this. He was writing it to the children of Israel who were in the wilderness getting ready to go into the promised land, but they had just experienced the exodus out of Egypt. So they're seeing this phrase. It's being read to them. Moses is sharing this, and it says, and it says, and and he went down to Egypt. 
And the amen children of Israel, the crowd are going, uh, like the ones that kind of talk back to the preacher, which, which we love that, by the way. And they're like, oh, no, oh, out loud. Like Moses is reading, he went down to Egypt and, and that's what, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. That's, this is not going to go well. It would have triggered the original audience. Why? Because Egypt is never a place where God's people are to be found. See, God made a promise to Abram about a land that he's going to give to his offspring, an inheritance. It was going to be a gift. That land was not in Egypt. So Abram, going down to Egypt, was actually an act of unfaithfulness. Wait, faithful? Yep. So it's not a faithful act. And here's the problem. It actually gets a little bit worse. So he's, he heads down to Egypt. And on his way there, he's telling his wife. And he's, and he's like, listen, you're hot. And they're going to think you're hot. And they're going to kill me because you're hot. And they're going to want you. So let's tell them you're my sister. And that way I, they won't kill me. And he devises this plan. But it didn't go exactly how he thought it was going to go. See, verse 14. Yes, they thought Sarai was beautiful. Exactly how he thought. But see, then the princes of Pharaoh, they saw her. They started to praise her to Pharaoh. And look what it says. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. So Pharaoh hears of the beauty, and here's one thing you have to understand about Egypt. When you go to Egypt, there's always, Pharaoh is always in Egypt. And in, and in Egypt, Pharaoh gets what Pharaoh wants. This isn't exactly how Abram saw this playing out. This is not good. Now Pharaoh does pay a very generous price to Abram uh, to take Sarai as his own lady. So what is going on here? We have to stop. We have to see something that's very, very important in this passage. What is it that God would want us to see here in 2024? And it's very important to understand. See, this is the first mention of Egypt in the Bible. And it's always important. See where something is mentioned for the very first time. And here's what you need to know for, as you're studying the Bible. Egypt is always a picture of the world. It's always a picture of a kingdom. It's a picture of the wrong kingdom. And this kingdom has a king. Pharaoh is the king of that kingdom. And when things got serious, when things got urgent, when things got devastating for Abram, when things seemed to get out of his control, he ran to the wrong kingdom and the wrong king. He went down to Egypt. And as we've said through this whole series... What happens in Genesis just keeps happening. Can I tell you something? I'm saying this out of love. There will always eventually be a crisis in our lives. There's always going to come a time. Eventually there will be a time when things get serious when things get urgent, when things get devastating, when things get out of our control. And the question is, where will you go?
God, God comes to us. and He's called us. He comes to us with promises. He comes to us with callings. And oftentimes we, like Abram, we can seemingly put those callings in jeopardy when things get scary. And if you're anything like me, and I just want to be transparent, there are times when my faith gets weak. I begin to doubt. And sometimes I run to Egypt. Sometimes my tendency is, ru- is to run to the world in crisis. And here's what I know. That, that all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. Yet sometimes I still run there. Here's what I know also. This world, it actually has, it has a king. It has a ruler. Second Corinthians talks about the God of this world. And what does he do? He blinds people's minds. We can read about the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians chapter 2. There is, a, there is the world, and the world has a ruler. And you need to know something this morning. When we go to Egypt, we will always have to deal with the Pharaoh. And that Pharaoh will always eventually take. And when we go to Egypt, we will eventually do things we never thought that we would do. So I just want to talk to those of us in the room who you'd say, I'm a believer. I'm following Jesus. I have passed from death to life. There are some of you who are on the threshold of a crisis. You just need to evaluate that. There are some of you in the room, you're actually... You're actually on your way to Egypt. You're on an unfaithful path toward Egypt. And and sadly, but truly, and I'm not saying this in a condemning way, there are some of you in the room, you're actually in Egypt and you're living unfaithfully right now. Maybe it's a financial crisis and you are looking to dishonest ways to try to fix it. Or maybe you're going and and acting like Egypt acts, and you're like, man, I'm going to do what the world does when they get in a problem. I'm just going to get even into more debt and more debt and more debt because that's what the world does. Some of you are in a marriage crisis. And it's simply, man, this isn't... This isn't the picture that I had. This isn't the picture of happiness that I had in mind. And what Egypt tells you is this. We'll just go be happy. Some of you are in a loneliness crisis. And maybe you went home for Christmas. College students. You were home in December away from, 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 from salt and away from your Christian friends. And it, and it could be that an old boyfriend gave you a text late in the night or an old girlfriend. And you hooked up because that's what they do in Egypt. famine hit, there was a crisis, and Abram went down to Egypt, and he did something really dumb. He was unfaithful to God. 
He was unfaithful to his wife. Abram sinned. That's what it was. Just let's simplify it. Abram sinned. And sin always gives knowledge that we never wanted, and it always fractures deeper than we could ever imagine. Um, things are not looking good for Abram right here. He's laying alone in his tent. Oh, yeah, Pharaoh gave him a bunch of stuff, so, but he's, he's laying alone. He's looking over. He's like, okay, I've got, I got hundreds of thousands of dollars in animals, and he was actually given silver and gold. We learn later in the Bible, but like, man, he's got, and, he, and he's surrounded by, oh, okay, donkeys and sheep. Well, here's a bunch of people I didn't even know an hour ago. Well, here's, well, here's some more people I didn't even know an hour ago, and, he, and he's, not, he's not alone, but who isn't there? His wife. Like, can you imagine what he's thinking? Where, where is Sarai right now? What's she doing right now? What have I done? Is she sleeping with Pharaoh? Because that's what it meant when she was taken into Pharaoh's house. This seems dark. This seems hopeless. Yep. And now, here's what's going to have to happen. Abram and Sarai, they're actually going to need a little mini exodus of their own out of Egypt. This foreshadows a way bigger exodus that is going to come later in your Bible in a book called Exodus. This foreshadows that. They were unfaithful. And here's where I got to share some good news with you. I'm actually going to share with you the greatest news that you're ever going to hear in your life. Abram was unfaithful. God cannot be. That's the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. He can't be. That's our third point. Listen, Abram was unfaithful, but God can't be. And this takes us into verse 17, which we, we didn't read, but I want you to see it. And there are three words. If you're an underliner of your Bible, here it is. Ready? But the Lord. So here they are. Abram has done some of the dumbest things you could ever possibly do. He's in a hopeless situation. But the Lord. Sounds very similar to chapter 12, verse 1, where he, was, he wasn't looking for God. He wasn't faithful to God. Now, the Lord. And what does he do? The Lord steps in. He afflicts Pharaoh, and, and he brings deliverance. God stepped in. Why did he step in? Because he is faithful even when you and I are not Faithful. Here's the word for that, guys. It's not just faithfulness. Here's the word for it. It's one of the most beautiful words in the English language. Are you ready? Grace. We don't deserve the faithfulness of God. And he just keeps giving it to us. 
He can't be unfaithful. That's called grace. Abram's solution is our solution. It's the faithfulness of God. It's the grace of God. So here's the question. Do you have a but the Lord moment in your life? I want to share one with you. So when I was a freshman in college, I met, uh, I met a guy who was very, he became a good friend to me. His name uh, was Jeff. And here's the reality, guys. Guys like Jeff and I, we should have never been friends. Like, I, here, I, here I am, I'm just this snaggle tooth, uh, uh, uneducated hillbilly, literally probably a fifth grade reading level. Um, I was so out of it. I'm like, I got a 19 on my ACT, okay? And I was like, why is Stanford and Yale not calling me? Like, where are my letters? I mean, that's how, I had no clue. Broke, poor, okay? So, so, so I get to college, and for whatever reason, and I know now it's because the Holy Spirit of God was living inside of me. He was just, he's just this type of guy. Jeff uh, became a great friend of me. Now, let me talk to you about, about Jeff. Like, like, Jeff looked like, and this is going to age me, but some of you are going to get this. He looked like he stepped out of an episode of Beverly Hills 90210. Like, that's what he looked like, okay? He drove up in a Mercedes. Where I'm from, I just thought that was things they used in movies. Like, I didn't even know they were real cars that actual people drove, okay? And he actually was nice enough. He invited me to his house. He's actually from Springfield. And I pulled up to his house, and I'm like, I think this is the White House. Is this the White House? I've never seen a house like this. And why? Like, he, like, like he, is, he was like this pretty city boy. I'm like, we don't, this doesn't. But, but we, we became really good friends. And, and there was a time he was pointing me uh, to Jesus my freshman year of college. And actually what happened is we actually parted ways. I went to a different school. I left that school. He, 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 he also left that school. And, and, and it was in that time of my life. It was actually between 18 and 21 years old. Um, I had no direction. I had no purpose. I had no money, I had no good relationships, I was confused as I could ever be, and I just want to tell you, it was in that time of my life, I sprinted to Egypt. I was deep in the world. I was far from the Lord. I have some old college roommates in the room right now, they will vouch for this. You know what's crazy is in that time in my life, I actually learned how to never be alone. I knew how to not be alone. That was pretty easy. I was the loneliest guy you knew. Rarely sober. If I could sum up my life in those three years, it was this. Wrong people, wrong places, wrong things. And it was hopeless. I wish I had time to share. I have nothing to hide. If you ever want to know, reach out to me. We'll sit down. And I was 21 years old, and I was deep into Egypt, and I was kind of happy to be there. But the Lord. Don't get it? But the Lord put it on Jeff's heart to call me 
out of nowhere. It's not brain surgery. Hey, what's up? How have you been? What's been going on? How's life? Hey, why don't you come to church with me this Sunday? Listen to me. I, I, was, I was a Christian. I, I met Jesus a long time before this. I knew all of those years I wasn't where I was supposed to be. I knew it, and I continued in Egypt. But the Lord had Jeff pick up the phone. Hear me out. Some of you in the room, listen, some of you need to make a phone call. It's not brain surgery. Hey, you want to come to Salt with me Thursday night? You never know. Hey, you want to meet me for breakfast? And then we'll head, we'll head to Hillside. You want to come with me? You never know. That phone call changed the trajectory of my life. I was being unfaithful. But God wasn't because he can't be. Jeff is one of my best friends to this day. Our kids are now buddies. It's awesome. I just want to share if maybe some of you, you're in here, then you're deep in Egypt, but like you know you should be here. It's like, I'm just coming, but man, I know something's off. I want you to hear me this morning. God is not finished with you. He actually promises that he will never leave you or forsake you. God can and will intervene. And that's what happened in our passage here. Abram is in Egypt, but God came. But the Lord, because God can't be unfaithful. Now, what did Abram do? And this is huge. Because God was faithful, Abram repents and returns. So God delivers Sarai gets out of Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh, he, he gave men orders concerning uh, Abram and Sarai. He's like, get them away from me. He's like, and just keep everything I gave you. Just get out of here. And here is verse, chapter 13, verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt. So, so first he went down to Egypt. And now we see him going up from Egypt, but we have to see the order. Hill City, we have to see the order. God was faithful, then Abram repented. It's not, I better repent so that God will be faithful. That isn't Christianity. We have to see the order. Which then takes us to maybe equally one of the most beautiful words in the English language. And here it is. Hill City, I want you to fall in love with this word because I want you to fall in love with the practice. Here it is. Repentance. It literally means to change direction. To change your mind and your direction. And, and Abram went down to Egypt. God intervened and he is now going up from Egypt. It is a picture of repentance some of you in here you're, you're under the mindset that you have to get yourself right and then the Lord will step in but it's but the Lord that comes first 
So where is it, Hill City? Where is it that you need to change your mind and then change your direction? Where is it that you need to repent? We must be people of repentance. Now stay with me. If in your mind you just thought, nowhere, you need to repent of that thought. Don't take my word for it. The Holy Spirit breathed this out in 1 John 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So do we all have something to repent of this morning? I do. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to repent. We're going to pray. Now, I could tell you, see, there's the truth of God's word. Repent. Let's move on. Or we can stop. And I want you to bow your heads. And don't, don't, don't mistake this for the ending of the sermon. It's not. I want you to bow your heads. See, so you can take God's word. Some of you are like, man, I want to pray. I don't, really, I don't really know how. It's not something I'm very good at. Well, God, God gave us his word, and, he, and we can actually use his word to pray. So just take 1 John 1, 8. If we say we have no sin, and, and you just say right here, Lord, Lord, I, I do have sin, and here's what they are, and I'm going to confess them to you right now. I don't want to be a person who says they have no sin. I don't want to be deceived. I, don't, I want the truth in me. And you can just confess that to God right now. And then you can even tell God what he said. God, you said in your word that if I confess my sins that you're faithful. God, you are faithful. Just stop. Tell God that. Tell God how faithful he is. God, you say that you will forgive me and you will cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That's the greatest news I've ever heard in my life. Lord, I'm asking for that in this moment. God, I don't ever want to pretend that I don't have something to repent of. God, make me a person of confession and repentance. You know, none of us in the room have an awesome track record. You know that, right? If all of us would look back at our lives, our reality is this, is that we would see our past and even some of our present marked by moment after moment of faithlessness. And I just want to tell this, I, I do believe this to be true. I believe that God blesses when his people Repent. The Bible says he's already blessed us with all spiritual blessings, and because that's true, we can repent. The problem is this. Hill City, give me your eyes, because this is, this is a real situation. What happens is we start to believe that repentance is something for them out there. Oh, that's dangerous. And equally as dangerous, stay, listen, this is really important, equally as dangerous as saying, no, repentance is just something for them out there. We don't want this to creep inside here that's like, well, you're guilty and you're guilty and you're guilty and I'm guilty. We're all guilty, so 
what happens is then we don't start taking our sins seriously and we, we stop repenting and confessing. Both are dangerous. Or God steps in, Abram repents, but it's not just that he repents. Once you go to your back pocket, So he comes up out of Egypt, and in verse 3 it says this, And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. And what does he do there? This is the place where he had made an altar at first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord He, he returned. He went back. Where did he go back? To the place where he last encountered the Lord. Where did he go back? To the place in his life where he was last faithful. And because God showed up and because God is faithful, Abram was able to return. And because God is the same God today, he is faithful, we are able to return. He went back. There was an altar. He called upon the name of the Lord. When you see that word altar, listen to me. All of us, we live on a different side of the cross than Abram did. And when we hear the word altar, our hearts should immediately show up at the foot of the cross. That's where we go. If you're wondering where you should go to go back or return, return to the foot of the cross. It is, it is Jesus that makes repentance possible. This is good news. For some of you in the room, it's that you need to return to that place in your life where it was when you first believed in Jesus Christ. This was before you were jaded. This is before, uh, this, is, this is back when all you wanted to do was just know God and to serve God. And some of you just need to return back to that childlike faith. There are others in the room, you've actually grown weary in doing good and you're actually on a path toward Egypt. You have served others, blood, sweat, and tears, and no one appreciates you. No one notices you. And you're starting to conclude, heck with this, I'm going to start serving myself. You need to return. For others, you've handled certain situations in your life like you live in Egypt. Some of you are out of line with the way God wants you to do your job at work and you need to return to being a person of integrity and repent and do your job the way God wants you to do your job. Some of you, you're, you're living like you're living in Egypt and you're not, you're not living the way God wants you to and you're in a relationship that you shouldn't be in. It's that some of you need to go back to being single because you're in a relationship that looks exactly like the world. Some of you need to go back. You go back in a time in your marriage when you actually had joy and your marriage was strong and you were actually believing the best about your spouse. You, you can go back and you can go back by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus. I'm begging, let's go back. We can return. Jesus makes it possible. If you're serving communion, I want you to head back. Here's reality. This is so true. I'm guilty of this. And I want you to hear the kindness of the Lord. There are many of you in this room, you think 
that your return to faithfulness and, when, and your return back to, to, to the Lord, you, you, you believe that when you get there, that God is going to be waiting on you the same way that your parents waited on you when you missed curfew. Is that just my mom? Is that anybody? Where you been? You know better than this. Parents, I'm cool with that. If your kids miss curfew, just know that's not how God is going to react to you when you return to faithfulness. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. We think this is too good to be true. We actually, deep down, we actually don't like it because it's too scandalous. But you you mean I can just receive God's grace? I can just change my direction right here today, right now? I don't have to like, I don't have to pay a penance. I don't need to go sit in a corner and think about how I have failed over and over again. Like I I thought I had to pay for my sins. Um, Jesus did that. And because he did it, we can run to him. The problem is sometimes we live like Jesus' punishment on the cross wasn't harsh enough and we think we need to add to it. Sometimes we live like God's grace isn't sufficient. And can I tell you something? When we do that, we just insult the power of the cross. I want you to stand with me. God did not merely prick the finger of his only son to get a drop of blood. The Bible says this, he crushed the son. He punished him at Calvary. Hear me, Hill City. The dirt and the rocks below the cross ran in crimson red. Because that is true, if you follow Jesus, if you've passed from death to life, that is your ultimate but the Lord moment. He has already intervened, and now, listen, his grace runs like a mighty waterfall over your life. And here's the deal. Yes, this is a shot glass, okay? And some are like, what are you doing with the shot glass? You just told us about your college days, and here's the deal. It's Jenny's. Okay, now, you're like, you just did Adam. You just Adamed your wife. For real, for real. She buys these, and she does these, like, chocolate frosting shots, okay? Super good, but pray for her. She's got a chocolate problem. Okay. Get with me here. God's, God's grace runs like a mighty waterfall. And for some reason, we still tiptoe to it, going, hey, Lord... Could I, could I get a shot of grace? J- just, I mean, do you have time? Can I just get a little shot of this? Listen, forget that. We go stand in it. 
and we get soaking wet. And we just walk every day just wet beneath the waterfall of God's grace. And we confess and repent the whole way. You know what it's called? It's called faithful living. God, here's what I pray. That this room, in this room today, that you would start a movement and awakening of your people falling on their knees and repenting. Would you make it happen in this place? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're going to receive communion. And I want you to know we're going to have some people down front. It would be the honor of our day to pray with you. They're going to be on the sides. But I also want to let you know, maybe if you're not quite comfortable with that, by each communion station here and here, and then we have two in the back, there are tables with index cards. And maybe for you, you, just, you want us to pray for you. And you can write your prayer on those cards, put them in that basket. So many of you did it last week. It was the first week we did it. It was awesome. And I, I told you, I promised you that the elders would pray over that. We did that Thursday. And the elders continue to take those cards. And we're in continual prayer for you guys. There's something else I want to bring to your attention. You can go to hillcitysgf.org. And, and there, is a, there is just a link right there. How can we pray for you? Click it. Put it down if that's how you want to do it. It will come to the elders. We want to pray for you. But now, for those of us who follow Jesus, who've had that ultimate but the Lord moment, we're going to come to the table covered by the blood of our King. And we can live beneath the waterfall of His grace. That's the greatest news you'll ever hear in your life. Let's eat.